Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Really excited to have Mike Burton here. Uh, thank you, Yoni, for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for taking a listen. Yes, like, uh, like Yoni said, my name is Michael Burton, uh, currently the fullback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I attended Rutgers University, where I played football there. Uh, I entered the NFL in 2015, where I was a fifth-round draft pick. Uh, I spent two years with the Detroit Lions, two with the Chicago Bears, one with the Washington Commanders, one with the New Orleans Saints, now in my second year with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a hell of a history. Tell us the important stuff, um, like the way you got in to Rutgers. What took you to Rutgers? Oddly enough, it was lacrosse that took me to Rutgers, uh, where I was offered a scholarship. Where I turned it down. What kind of scholarship? Uh, full ride. Okay. Where I turned it down uh, to play football. Football was always my passion. It's something I wanted to do for as long as I can remember. Um, I had a few scholarships coming out of high school. Not, not, no Division One, um, but I knew that I wanted to play at the highest level, which in my mind was Division One. Not to knock any of the smaller schools, but. I just wanted that challenge um, of playing at that level and uh, ended up having an opportunity to to walk on at Rutgers and very thankful that I did that. That's crazy to hear. Don't belittle that. Uh, you and I talk about this all the time. For this audience, it's amazing to hear. You were accepted, full ride, obviously, to, look, to play lacrosse at Rutgers, but you followed your passion and took a massive risk mm-hmm. to follow that passion. So a walk-on at Rutgers... Five years later, mm-hmm. you're drafted. Mm-hmm. You're going into year eight. You're in, in year, year eight. eight. Yes. You're on your bye week. Thanks for joining us on your mm-hmm. bye week. Absolutely. That's insane. What allowed you to be that successful while following your passion? I think really what allowed me to follow my passion was um, the support from my family, my parents, you know, to be able to turn down a full ride, right, to turn down a free education, to tell my parents, hey, for the first semester or two, it might have to come out of pocket before I earn um, that scholarship, which I ended up doing in 2012, uh, my sophomore year. So, you know, it really just came down to them giving me that green light and believing in me, right? And, and you believing in yourself. And believing myself. But for me, I've always been, um, what's motivated me is, is, is fighting for the people that believe in me and not so much those doubters and naysayers that say I can't do it. I'm much more motivated by those close to me that say, hey, you could do this. I believe in you. And proving them right as a proving, as opposed to proving doubters wrong, love it. That's cer- certainly a unique take. Um, I always try to like pull this back into our sports PTs that are listening, which is so often you come out of graduate school um, with your with your doctorate of PT, and you take the path of least resistance. You take your highest paying salary job, um, and sometimes it's a matter of taking a leap 
believing in yourself or or really just following your passion to get into the sports world. And so remember, like you're talking to a big audience of people who have taken that leap. I think the crossover um, is somewhat is really clear that it's like this in every profession. I say this a lot while I've been doing this podcast. It's like to hear a pro athlete take those leaps. Like what can we learn from that and take into our daily? That's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on is because what a crazy leap that mm-hmm. was for yeah. you to, to kind of walk away from that. Yeah. I think it was one of those situations where I just had a bigger picture. I, I, I thought going to Rutgers, um, being in that type of program with former NFL coaches on staff, uh, talking with a lot of former NFL players, current NFL players at the time when I was on their vi- in visits, yeah. I'm like, hey, I want to go to the NFL. I want to play in the NFL. Well, I got coaches on staff that have coached in the NFL. I'm talking to players right now who went to Rutgers who are in the NFL. And not that you can't go to the NFL from other schools. Obviously, you can. But when I was visiting there and going to their camps and, and just had this vibe that, hey, this seems like this is my best chance. So it might be a situation where I'm taking a few steps back and leaving money on the table, but it's to take five, six, seven steps forward into the future and just having that big picture, uh, I think was really important. Into season eight. Okay, that's awesome. So obviously the the comparison, it's a little bit loose, but there's certainly something that we can learn from, from that risk you took. Um, I'm always trying to pull it back to sports PT. So, so that's certainly worthwhile. Now, what I wanted to get in with you today is... You know, with the with the high level athletes that I've been working with, um, the professional athletes, it's always so interesting to me to hear the levels of care that you guys get and the structure around the way you train and the way you work on in the weight room and trying to use the weight room to better the product on the field. I I was really shocked when I first got into working with high level athletes because I was always of the opinion from the outside looking in that you guys are getting cutting edge stuff. And then as I started to work with athletes long before I met you, I started to realize it's not always there. And a lot of that is because there's so many athletes in this weight room. There's so many athletes in the training room. How do you provide these high levels of care at scale to all of these athletes that are in there, especially, uh, you know, preseason when you have a roster of what 90 before you start making cuts, I think that's even higher now. Um, how do you staff that? How do you staff that appropriately? So what I wanted to do with you, Mike, was, was tell you how I would structure a professional sports organization. Not necessarily NFL, but we can talk a little bit specifically NFL. And I just wanted your take because you're a guy who knows strength and conditioning. You're a guy who knows rehabilitation and prehabilitation. Um, what's realistic? You know, what's a benefit? Hey, you know, you could totally tell me, dude, we, we do all this. So. Nice try. Um, or you could say it's not even realistic. Whatever. Um, so here's the way I would structure. You ready? Yes. I want to put, and I always want to do this in my in my own practice. I want to set people up for success, and so I want to put people working with um, in their point of expertise. So I want to take um, the head of sports performance. He's got to be able to speak everyone's language, and this is a guy who's going to run the entire thing. And I'm going to call him. He's the chief of sports performance. Okay, so his background is going to be. He's going to have a doctorate in physical therapy. He's going to be a CSCS. He's going to have experience as um, a sports scientist, looking at data, um, aggregating data, making decisions on data. And this guy is your point guy. Let's call him chief of sports performance. You seen anyone that looks like that that has a role like that? in your vast experience. So 
we certainly have individuals who have all those credentials, um, to have, to see one person who has all those, not sure, um, I've come across that yet. Um, but we definitely have those credentials among different people within the building. Okay. And I, and I think the guy who's going to coordinate this whole thing should have those. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out, they're definitely out there, especially like as PTs start to get um, more sports specific, they have an SCS specialization where they're really geared towards sports and they did a residency in that. Um, certainly the data is out there. Um, so you have the data analysts and the scientists that are able to put together that data. They're out there. I've met them. That's who I want running the entire point. Then under the them, I'm going to have a director of rehabilitation. That's a doctor of physical therapy. He should have some strength background. He should have worked with guys like you. And that's going to be position one. He's going to be in charge of all rehab. Then I'm going to have a separate director of sports science. He's going to be in charge of all your GPS metrics. He's going to be in charge of all your force plates. He's going to coordinate return to sport. He's your sports science. Then I'm going to have a separate director of SNC, strength coach. And then I'm going to have director of athletic training. And that's my hierarchy. Is it, po- is it possible? Let's start there. Um, you know, each team, we ha- like I said before, we have those roles. Uh, I don't know if we have those three or four director titles that you had mentioned. Um, but we certainly have those types of people in the building doing those those types of jobs. I think one thing that made me think of what you just mentioned was you know, how hands-on are these directors, yeah. right? Like a lot of these, you know, you go to school um, to get these degrees, you study these tests to get these qualifications, get these credentials, and then are you just sitting behind a desk doing paperwork, right? Like how hands-on, if you have all those different roles, how hands-on can you actually be? And I think that's a question. I know you said those people are out there, but are they willing to not be hands-on with these elite-level athletes? Are they willing to just be the note takers and, and just kind of uh, report upwards, you know, to the superiors rather than like being in the nitty gritty with the athletes. I and mean, that's a question, you know, to ask. That's a great question. Um, Cause I know for you, you're a huge hands on. I love it. You and love I, it. And I, I love treating hands on, but also I love management, mm-hmm. right? I love growing. I love creating ladders for people mm-hmm. to climb within my company. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this is, right? Like if you're director of sports science, you're the top dog as it pertains to sports science. You will be running those data analytics, but you're also going to have a team mm-hmm. that you're leading, right? So I see it as a, as a way to, for me, that scratches both itch is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that hits, you know, I can get it yeah. from both sides in the right. sense that now I can do both. I can mm-hmm. manage just like I do now. Like I can manage and I love that part of it, but I can also treat a Michael Burton, mm-hmm. work with a Michael Burton. Um, so it's the best of both worlds. I think you, it also builds in a ladder where you can keep great talent. You know, you get these guys coming out of school that are unbelievably mm-hmm. prepared. Let's bring them into the fold. You're going to come play for, you know, the, the true sports Ravens. And in this organization, you're going to be able to grow into a director role. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to work. You're going to be able to get um, increased knowledge. You're going to be around the world's best athletes. So that's the way I look at this like entire hierarchy and, performance division of an organization Mm -hmm. come on give me feedback on that yeah um it it, it's certainly very interesting um i think there are some benefits to it for sure i I wonder though staff wise just 
how many are they these directors how, how many what, do they what need? do they have behind how many do they them? need is it three or four and then you're talking about you're talking about a staff of your you could be doubling tripling the amount of employees versus what is kind of the norm right now yeah. right like how did how does that work like what does that look like type of thing um not saying it can't be done but that would be something that is new um for sure and then i guess hold on let me respond okay. to that because that's a fascinating point in a conversation that i always have um yeah let's say i added a number of employees let's say these employees let's say i added for sake of argument uh 10 employees to a structure than what is currently existing mm-hmm. to fill this whole thing 10 employees let's say they're making 70 to 100 grand let's say i just added a million dollars mm-hmm. you know sprinkled across all those to your um to your to your wages right mike burton misses a game what's he costing the franchise me don't answer that <laughs> uh, um a quarterback yeah misses a game god forbid what's he yeah what's he costing the franchise yeah how much is one win worth in the nfl how much is a win worth in the big leagues these are worth millions of dollars by the way what about the guaranteed money in these contracts guy tears a rotator cuff and he's a pitcher and he's done he he's not going to perform at the same level what what did that just cost the yankees Mm -hmm. i agree with you wins at any professional level are are massive can this structure can a structure can a structure does this structure but does more employees lead to a better structure not necessarily that's what no i guess that was my point Mm -hmm. My, my question was okay you have these directors but does that necessarily keep the quarterbacks, the pitchers, yep. you know, the point guards in the Fullbacks. NBA. Or, yeah, point guards in the NBA, you know, your top guys back on the field. I think the communication integration between these two models, I think, is the most important thing. I think that is where you'd see an elevation in a team's performance is how well can both sides communicate and integrate both the sports science world or the sports med-, med world and then the sports performance world i think though that's a huge factor in this role you know right here um and then you have a director you said you have a director of dp uh dpt the, your chief director is also dpt is that necessary to have two of those qualifications yeah. On staff. Is it redundant? Yep. Yeah, redundant. You know, I, I just, it's just a question, you know. Um, it's a great question. It? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think the way you look at that is the guy at the top, the guy who's overseeing the whole thing, your chief of sports performance, he has to be able to understand what a PT does. He has to be able to understand what a strength coach does. He has to understand the science. He has to understand what's asked of them. He has to understand their education so he can coordinate that's the job of the chief the, okay does the chief is the chief writing the workout plans hell no he's not no he's not writing the rehabs the rehab plans no he's overseeing it he's overseeing it yeah so in a theory in a sense he's not writing it but he's okaying it so his hands are on it yep okay so he's just aware he's not writing it he's, but coordinating, he's, he's right? coordinating he's it. coordinating i think you make an awesome point you're only as good as your level of coordination and communication. Right. A hundred percent. And, and how do you facilitate that? That's true for any business. That's true for any job, any job. 
So, so how do you coordinate and how do you facilitate a breaking down of silos? How do you get everyone on the same page, right? Yeah. And pull it in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge missing piece of why sports rehab all over the place, but especially at the professional sports level, fails. No one's talking to the other one. I'm not saying it's always like this, but it is, it, it's, a, it's a major problem to have these turf wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it happen in the professional organization. You see it happen on the outside. Uh, all the times so I get chiropractors that do not work at true sports questioning what true sports does. Um, and I'm sure sports rehab guys that work for us are doing the same thing. Kairos. When those two entities work together, you know who wins? The patient. Yeah, the athlete. And the athlete. Exactly. And, and how do we make this an athlete-focused endeavor? Because that, that's what leads to wins. I want Mike Burton's shoulder to be working as effectively as possible because it makes sense for the Chiefs to have Michael Burton on the field. That's mm-hmm. why they're paying you so that you can win. That's the idea behind the structure. And that, that ha- listen, that's a culture thing that starts from top down. It's got to be set up appropriately. The right pieces have to be there, but that's why I think that's why I'm making belaboring the point of that's why he has all these backgrounds so he can mm-hmm. speak everyone's language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You with me? Yeah, absolutely. Are, you're spending those extra seven hundred grand if you're the owner to put together a team like this. I mean, it's definitely a team full of people who are who have the credentials, who are who are qualified. Yeah. So again, I think it's very it could be very beneficial. It it, it more so goes back to how are how are they communicating? How are they integrating? And like, what does that look like? Their their plan of Love doing it. that type of thing. Right. And so. You and I are always talking about sports science and um, the interplay between PT and strength and sports science. And one of the biggest things that you brought up is when the hell is this happening, right? Mm -hmm. Because walk me through a day as a professional fullback with the Chiefs, just in terms of meetings and scheduling and practice times. And what does that look like? What time you get to the facility? Yeah, uh, I get to the facility around like around 6 a.m. usually. Um, And that's kind of when I start my day watching film, start you know, get in the tubs, workout, lift, that type of stuff. And then breakfast meetings, right from meetings, right to practice and right from our meetings to walk through to practice and then back to meetings. Um, and then finish the day with some recovery and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of time spent in season, the emphasis is going to be on those meetings and the playbook and the plays and the upcoming game plan for the game, you know, practice. That's kind of where that emphasis, um, takes presence. Whereas the off season is more geared towards your, not that it's not, it doesn't take a back seat to say, I don't like to say that, you know, strength conditioning, sports performance, all that kind of stuff is still very, um, important in season, right. You know, to, to keep your gains and your speed and your conditioning. Um, but you add in the layer of game planning and preparing for a game in season. It just changes how like your off season program might look like. So you're, you're only as successful in as well prepared as you are. You could be as healthy as as you want and as strong and as fast as you want. But if you don't have the game plan down, Mm -hmm. that doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. So the focus obviously is on game planning in season. It's also, you can't, execute the game plan if you're not healthy. Mm-hmm. So that has to come in tandem. And I think that's why you make an awesome point is there's only so much time. So I lay all this fancy crap out for you and you're like, dude, there's no time. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for that. And my, my counterpoint to that is how can we get tight and efficient around these things? And so what I'm pushing for is I want you part of your 6 a.m. routine. Uh, when's lift standardly? Uh, usually in the morning before practice. Okay. Let's say what time? Um, it could be... 
there's different lift groups. You can go before, you can go early, like before meetings, you can go right before practice. So, okay. Um, and how long are you lifting? How long's your lift? Hour or so. An hour. Yeah. Okay. So before you go in to do your lift, I'm going to ask for a little bit less than 90 seconds from Mike mm. Burton. I'm going to have you pop on some force plates. I'm going to have you um, throw a, a tendo unit onto a bar. Mm. And I'm gonna, just going to look at how rapidly you're producing force, how well you're receiving force. It's going to take 90 seconds. Maybe i have you do a couple jumps mm. and bang. Now I know what your lift's going to be yeah. like based upon that. Mm. Doable or not doable? Yeah, I think the time, those 90 seconds, 90 seconds. actually took that time. You know, 90 seconds. Per athlete. You know, so that yeah, how many up. people in the group? Um, usually, typically, we'll split up offense and defense. So, for argument's sake, I know it's more than 50, but do 25 and 25. Okay, 25 and 25 walking into the room. That's not a problem at all. I mean, if it takes 90 seconds, you're talking about 20 minutes of 25 minutes of actual screening. If we have three sets of plates up there, you have three sets of plates. Okay, you have three, three guys are going at there. once. Three guys going at once. Yeah, I mean, I think it's doable. It definitely would eat into the time a little bit, but I think it's doable. Now you're saying based on those scores right then and there, yeah, that's that will dictate what the program is. So here we go. You you pop on there. I get your scores based upon how well you're performing, and I compare it to kind of where you were. You're this percent, whatever metric we're using. You're at the, here's your lift. It's already it's already written out. You're so a little bit less. So it's the same lift. You're just going to change the percentages exactly. or the numbers. Exactly. So everybody's you're still everybody's still doing the same lift, but the percentages, numbers, those things are yeah. a little bit different yep. based on what those scores were. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely possible logistically, like if you could make that work in terms of just not like eating into the brunt of the time and the guy sitting in the back aren't doing anything and it's not you know, kind of labeled as a, like wasting time. Like as long as it's, it's efficient. Yep. Right. And it, um, shows benefits and positives. Like guys feel good. Like the guys are hitting their numbers type yeah. of thing. Like all those types of things. And I think it can be beneficial. Here, here's what I'm, I'm tired. I, and I think this speaks of what I'm tired of hearing of what's going on is someone wrote out that lift in the back room. Now it's handed to the athlete and you have a strength coach sitting over there saying, no, no, no lift says this amount of reps mm -hmm. the athlete's saying well i feel like it should be less than that or i feel like it should be more there's so much subjectivity in there we're just past that as a strength and conditioning community mm -hmm. if we can gather the data efficiently it can't get more efficient than 90 seconds mm -hmm. and you better believe that then that all comes down to hey is this helping our guys stay healthy mm -hmm. or not yeah that's in the data how many games missed per year yeah i think at the end of the day i think that's what it's about. I think in season, yep. a lot of the emphasis in the, in the strength and conditioning world is keeping guys healthy. It's yep. keeping guys on the field. It goes back to your point of keeping your most important players, keeping your highest paid players, keeping them on the field, yeah. making sure they're playing. Yep. Right. So as long as that wasn't something that could promote injury or anything like that, you know, it, it's something that could be very helpful um, because that is the emphasis kind of more in season is, is making sure you're staying healthy, you're able to practice. Because a lot of your time, like not only time, but like physical energy is spent on practice. Yeah. You know, so you're not, you don't super want to fatigue yourself in the lifts and stuff sure. like that because you do have however long of a practice where you're running through plays and you're sprinting, you're changing direction, you're you're hitting people, you're moving people. So there's a lot of energy and time spent on that. So it really comes down to, like you said, the weight room, how do you make this as efficient as possible? Yeah. Um, and 
it sounds like you know that could certainly be a be a play okay i love it um it's also you made the point you were you were educating me about some of this gps tracking mm-hmm. right yeah and, and stuff that's already there and already being utilized um it kind of goes along the same point, which is that data is already being collected. How much is it affecting what you're doing on mm-hmm. a day to day? How much is it affecting what you're doing on a practice field? Mm-hmm. How much is it affecting with overall workload? That comes back to the communication piece. Yeah, I think there's a definitely a play for for GPS and these zebra stats that teams across the board use. Um, it's just a way to track guys who, especially those skill positions. I mean, you got guys who are just running mm-hmm. and running, and you just want to look at their workload to to make sure they're not at a point where they might be more likely to sustain a soft tissue injury or something like that. So that information is use is very usable. It's it's informative. Um, teams use it. And uh, it can be very beneficial. So that's just adding another piece. You know, that's what I like to call, that's like on the field stuff, right? So that's testing kind of metrics on the field. Now what you're talking about is just doing it in the weight room. So it's just, it's just again, it's combining the two and, and, and making them work. And again, it's everyone pulling in the same direction and just helping the athlete. So when I first met you, um, when I had to beg you to be my patient, that is what happened. That is what happened. No. Okay. How do you how do you see it? I asked you if you knew of a chiropractor in the area mm-hmm. and a massage therapist. Okay. You responded with, "Oh, I can do both those things. Very good at manual manipulation, <laughs> and um, I can also I'm very hands on." <laughs> so I think like, that was a way. Of and you're saying, like, "I'm in as long as you give me this T-shirt." <laughs> I could, yeah, exactly. As long as you give me the gear, <laughs> which by the way, I didn't receive this for about a year later, but. <laughs> Great T-shirt. Okay, so once I tried to make my case that um, m- maybe I could work with you, you said I work with a PT already, mm-hmm. um, and that you chose your combine prep based upon their staff, and somehow you figured out that it was important to have a physical therapist involved in that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How, how do you know that? Because you also hinted at it later when you were like. This PT has to talk to the strength coach and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you seem to already have a good grasp on that. So how'd that happen? Yeah. So when I was preparing for pro day and combine, um, I had a lot of great mentors who were currently playing in the NFL, a lot of ex Rutgers guys. And, you know, speaking with them and, and you can even look it up. The NFL is a 100% injury rate. It's not so much a matter, unfortunately, it's not so much of a matter of, if you're going to get hurt, it's almost when, and I don't even like saying that, but that's the sport that you play. So I say all that because the taking care of your body and having a physical therapist and being able to do prehab, being proactive, not always rehab, but doing prehab stuff, I think is something that's just helped with my longevity. So I wanted to start that at a young age. Um, so I went with a a sports performance, very similar, very similar type of business that you have right now, just in New Jersey, because that's where I lived at the time. Had DPT worked with us every single day. Strength and conditioning coach worked with us every single day. And I still work with those guys till this day. And um, I just think it was a perfect mix of the science and the performance kind of coming together and doing these corrective exercises, stuff that I hadn't thought about or didn't think about at the time that I think I went into the NFL healthier as if I didn't do that process. Cause you can come in from a college and be pretty banged up. Um, 
but I went with a, you know, a performance, a rehab performance based combine training facility. And I think I ended up going in relatively healthy. And you've, you've obviously kept that level of health all the way through. It's Just, I, I've kind of tried to stay with what I've learned and, and tried to kind of master that and be able to do things on my own. Now I live in Maryland now and not New Jersey. So I, I don't have that hands-on type of care that I used to have, but I was educated. I asked a lot of questions and when I was there and I've been able to carry that with me ever since. How'd you find that guy? You just go out and Google that guy? No. Um, my agent at the time who I signed with um, knew him, and it was a connection that they had, and I interviewed them to, to train there and walk to their facility and stuff like that. And kind of after the first conversation, I was I was ready to sign up. Do you know how the agent knew that outfit? I don't. He probably had maybe a few players trained there in the past and got good work, good yeah. word, and, and um, good performances and stuff like that. Um, say you know. someone – say – which I'm sure there's so many people listening to this that want to work with a Mike Burton for many reasons. How, how do they do that? How does a PT find a Mike Burton or find, what's the name of the agency? Malice? Yeah, Malka Sports. Malka Sports. Um, so how do they do that? How do they work with... How P would they get involved with Malka Sports? How do they find Mike Burton? How does a, a sports PT try to develop this network to work with elite athletes? Oh, they... The DM Yoni and yeah, in an interview right. <laughs> and work at True Sports. Well, so <laughs> that's the best way to do it because he's working with the best athletes in Maryland right now. You are right, so I think you. That was not a setup. No, it's not. <laughs> if you work with a PT or if you are a physical therapist who wants to work with athletes and get into that world, I think it's it's looking at physical therapy businesses and companies like yourself that are that work with athletes and they put a huge emphasis on sports performance and strength and conditioning. Right. Um, so what's interesting is, and just by working there with you or your types of companies, like you'll come across high level athletes who have agents and have representation. And then it's a kind of trickle down effect. You know, you do well by them, you train them. Oh, Hey, just so you know, you know, they go back to their agent. Hey, I work with this PT. He's great. She, he or she's great. Um, then they got an athlete coming up in college who's getting ready for pro day for combine training. Hey, just so you know, I represent so-and-so. He's got a PT at True Sports in Maryland. That's excellent. You might want to do some of your rehab there prior to the pro day, prior to the combine, just to make sure you're extra healthy. And then that's kind of how you build out your network. And you just, and you just never know. So I think that's really good advice. Like you, you never know who's listening, who you're helping that might know someone, you know, that that's going to sing your praises. Mm -hmm. Case in point, I really met you by rehabbing the best athlete in the Burton Tignola family, yeah. which is, you know, working with your mother-in-law, mm -hmm. who is a unbelievable athlete. Yes. Um, but I think that really helped in getting Mike Burton to say, okay, fine, like, I'll work with. Yeah, I one. think. You just never know. There's always that trust and reference, yeah. right? You did, you did really well by Pam, who's my mother-in-law. Um, is an unbelievable athlete, can do headstands for days. It's crazy. Um, you did really well by her. Obviously, trust her. So when she had mentioned, hey, just so you know, I have a physical therapist who's great. You should think about working with him. And I had just moved you down should, here. You should ask him if he knows a chiropractor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had just moved down here and was looking for a place to train and a physical therapist and stuff like that because that's part of my off-season routine. And um, it was just a fell right, kind of right into my lap. Okay, so what's really interesting is um, having worked with me a little bit, you, 
there have been times when I was out of the office and you worked with another PT within mm. True Sports, um, and you always came back to me with really rave reviews, um, which is which is awesome. Educate you know the people listening. What is it that was great about those PTs that resonated with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I hate giving him so much credit, guys. I, I really do, but I just. I think you set a standard and expectation of who you're hiring. They but, have to meet this level, right? And so what did they do that you that sat well with you? That made you feel comfortable? Hey, it was a great session. Hey, I'm moving towards my goals for whatever reason you were in for. Oh, so obviously play football, um, but this can happen for any sport. When I came in, hey, this is what might be bothering me. This is the sport I play. This is what I this is where I need to be at. This is what I need to be able to do in this time period. Let's go. They came up with a plan and it was very functional. I was doing sports specific and at the time football drills which I could apply to my actual job, right? And it's 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 one thing to okay, yeah, I make you feel better, but can you get in this position and make this cut and feel better? Not just, oh, you walk out of here, you're feeling better. No, you. they put an emphasis, they, the therapist he's speaking of that I've worked with at True Sports, they put emphasis on, no, okay, you can excel at your sport um, and feel healthy and feel good doing it, not just you know, walking out of there and feeling okay. Like it has to be able to apply to the sport in your job. So here's the theme that I keep hearing because the success of those sessions – of the sessions that you had with a therapist, not myself, mm-hmm. came from me calling those guys and saying, dude, you're getting Mike Burton. Here's what he does for a living. Here's what we've done so mm-hmm. far. Here's what I think is going on. Have fun. Mm-hmm. But it was communication. And just, I, I gotta come, you just took the words out of my mouth. That's what I go back to the communication. communication. You guys had spoke prior. So you have, you, and a really good therapist, you're obviously a really good therapist, and you communicate, and what does that create? An amazing situation. But if you didn't communicate that, the first however many sessions would have been spent, hey, what do you do? How long have you had this? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. What has Yoni done? Mm-hmm. If you didn't have that, then it would have been delayed effect. It still would have been great, but it would have been delayed. You get what I'm saying? So that communication was is huge. So that communication is really important. Also, the communication, you and I, I remember, spent sessions where you would spend 45 minutes explaining to me super detailed, here's my warm-up, here's what I do, mm-hmm. here's how many skips, here's what, yeah. here's the way I move it backwards, yeah. forwards, stuff like that, mm-hmm. constantly moving around, yeah. but telling me exactly what you did, and I sat there dumbfounded that this is actually someone's routine because it took you 45 minutes to explain what you do. (laughs) But I sat there and said, okay, I'm hearing, I'm listening, you're communicating to me, and then I'm going to communicate to you. You're already doing X. Here's why we're going to do Y. Here's why. So so it's that communication back and forth. By the way, it's the same word you used poignantly when talking about the, the my pipe dream of the way I would lay out mm-hmm. a performance mm-hmm. wing mm-hmm. of an organization, it's communication. Yeah. And to go back to what you said about how I was explaining to you what I was doing, because well, you, need, you need the whole story. Yeah, how can right. you effectively do your job to the best of your ability if you don't have the full story, if you don't know exactly what I'm doing? If I, keep, if I don't tell you, all right, these are my main lifts today, 
you, the plan could be changed. It could be redundant. You could be having me doing things that aren't getting me prepped for those lifts or, or I could end up being more injury prone because we've already done this. Now I'm going to do this on my own. So you need to have the full picture and the full story, I think in order to do, um, your job most effectively. And I think that goes back again, you know, to me communicating that to you. And, and, and we got to pull it out of you. So, so th- that's the advice I give to sports PTs, which is, Talk to your patient. Yes. Right. Get the full story. Mm-hmm. Do your background. Um, what does a fullback need to do? You know, a fullback's coming in. An ACL's coming in. M- maybe they're not um, an athlete. Maybe yeah. maybe they're older. But you got to know about ACLs. So right. make sure you're ready to roll with ACLs specifically. Yeah. Um, but am I yeah. listening? Am I listening when you're talking? Mm-hmm. Um, really gaining that information so that then we can move forward with an outstanding program. Um, this has has been insightful. I really appreciate you like going through the exercise mm-hmm. of talking about um, just performance, talking about a performance team and the way I would structure it and indulging me in that because I think your feedback is super valuable of what's realistic and what does it really boil down to without that conversation. I don't know that we get to this obsession with communication and how mm-hmm. important that is. But So I appreciate you and your time doing that. Um, I always make it a habit to share my favorite story about the guests that I'm interviewing. And I think my favorite Mike Burton story would be um, the time when you were really there for me. Do you remember that time? You were you were really there for me, just as a friend. Yeah. You remember that time? I mean, it's, it's so many times. So many times. So many times that it's hard to pinpoint just one. My wife, God bless her, was in a terrible mm, car accident. Yes, she was totally fine. Um, and so she called me and I, I ran to the scene and, you know, so worried about her well-being. But, but also, I m- my first phone call, the first phone call I made after receiving that phone call from her was to my friend, the fullback of the Chiefs, Mike Burton, because I knew you would know what my next purchase should be, what my next car. And then the next day when you came in with a beat up Consumer Reports magazine that yeah. you had obviously leafed through a thousand times. I think there were circles in there. Oh, yeah. You, because you were the most financially <laughs> responsible bastard I've ever met in my life. And that sums up Mike Burton. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm number two to you, but but uh, I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being there for me. Oh, absolutely. You are, you are I appreciate welcome. it. Yeah. Really, w- another story that stuck out about me, which... Um, you really are an example of this. I introduced you to a 14, 15 year vet um, in the NFL and you're the way you talk to that guy with respect. You're an eight year vet, but the way you talk to that guy with respect and, and just try to get as much information from him to be as successful, to have the longevity that he's had trying to make that a part of your career was really eye opening to me. The fact that you're always trying to learn, Mm -hmm. you're always trying to gain information in such a positive way, um, is such an awesome piece of you and what you do. Um, and I think that's, that's also just such a great lesson. So that's really the moment that I want to share. You're also so thoughtful about my hair. That you're willing to wear a snow hat, yeah, I so no one knows what's under there. I couldn't come it's on really, here. You're, it looks like this under there, well, right? I just, I, I feel like it. Does. I didn't feel comfortable coming on here, letting the flow out <laughs> Thank you. here. You know, <laughs> we we need the viewers to, that. to yes. be able to look. Yes, hopefully know? they're just listening. Hopefully yeah. no one's feeling. Yeah, um, Mike, really, this is the first of many. 
Oh, absolutely. So thank you so much no. for sharing your time. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Some great conversation. And so we're always trying to get better. So if you got feedback for us, uh, share it at pod at truesportspt.com. We're always looking to add to our team and make our team even better. So if you're interested in working at True Sports, shoot over your resume, pod at truesportspt.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's episode, please visit us online at truesportspt.com. True Sports, what sports rehab should be.